change agents. In Chicago's Belmont Cragen neighborhood, families struggle with the challenges of online learning while trying to survive a deadly pandemic with limited resources. Here's journalist Jonathan Aguilar and activist Julio Rodriguez with Learning on the Line. initially bought him a laptop and it, it it was damaged it broke so I had to contact the school to rent a computer from them otherwise he wouldn't be doing class right now and my internet just recently went up to a hundred dollars so that's something else that I have to keep because he has to be in school and remote learning and I can't cut it off you know other services they're not available, and if they are, they're too slow. So, it's expensive. This is Sylvia Rodriguez. She's a single mother of two who works two to three days as a delivery driver for the gig economy. And Sylvia is fortunate the school her son attends had a laptop to lend. My name is Jonathan Aguilar, and I'm a freelance reporter in the Chicagoland area and a co-producer on this podcast. My name is Julio Rodriguez. I'm the Director of Community Organizing in Belmont Cragen for the Northwest Side Housing Center. Belmont Cragen is a primarily Latinx community where over 80,000 residents live and work in a low to moderate income neighborhood. A community that currently leads second in COVID-19 cases in the city of Chicago and as of November 28th, has a positivity rate of 28.1% when the average for the city sits at 11.7%. Remote learning began on March 14, 2020. It was meant to be a short-term effort, but nine months later, we're still in full remote learning. I, I talked to some high school students, and it's sort of interesting. It felt to me like the high school students are having almost more trouble than the littler kids because their teachers are really, really expecting them to like sit in lectures for six or seven hours a day. And on top of that, there a lot of them are negotiating helping their brothers and sisters, and some of them are working because maybe their parents got laid off. That's Sarah Carp, a WBEZ education reporter. Carp explained some of the major issues facing schools. Despite Chicago Public Schools, also known as CPS, having four weeks to prepare students for online learning, many students did not have computers or internet access when it began. CPS estimated that 115,000 students out of their 355,000 students needed laptops or tablets to access classes at home. After the first spring quarter of online learning, several data points came out. By May 11th, CPS had about 15,600 students who were non-digital, according to the Chicago Tribune. Sentiment among students and parents alike is that remote learning isn't working. Uh, I feel like I am learning very little, not as much as I was in school, but enough to just pass by, but not enough to even be engaged. That's Xander Cordona, a senior at Lakeview High School who lives in the belmont Cragen neighborhood. Latinx families are facing some of the biggest challenges, specifically around language access. One parent in particular is very concerned about how much her daughter is learning. Children are falling through the cracks, especially those that don't have internet access, especially those that don't have computer access. And most, especially those that don't have parents that speak the language, a lot of kids are struggling. She's learning at 
I would like to say probably at 10%. That's Senor Livares, a local Belmont Cragen resident, mother of three, and a community outreach worker. During May of this year, Black and Latinx students were least likely to use Google Meet or Classroom, according to the Chicago Tribune. About 70% of Black students and 78% of Latinx students accessed the platforms at least once, compared to nearly 87% of both white and Asian students in the 1st through 12th grade. No grades were recorded for 77% of Black students and 85% of Latinx students. One teacher we talked to told us about how unengaged her students are. They don't participate. They don't come in visually. They, I don't know what, like I said, I think I said last time, I don't know what most of my students look like or sound like. We've got maybe a 20% turn-in rate for homework, for, you know, for assignments. They won't tell you if they don't understand. And there's no way to reach out and help them understand because they won't respond. That's Susan Benjamin, a high school teacher at Kelly High School in the Brighton Park neighborhood. Community organizations such as Northwest Side Housing Center have stepped up to try and help. Northwest Side Housing has invested thousands of dollars into the Belmont Cragen neighborhood to solve issues related to the pandemic. Currently, we're in Chicago on the Northwest Side in the Avondale neighborhood near Scammon Elementary, a level one plus school. What does your organization, Northwest Side Housing, do? The Northwest Side Housing Center responds to the needs of the community by leveraging resources and economic well-being. And we focus on community organizing in Belmont Cragen through our public elementary schools, high schools, through working with youth 14 to 18, through housing and immigration. What does like community organizing mean? What does it mean to help the schools and the students? Like what, what are you guys actively doing? For us, it means helping to listen to residents, helping them identify specific issues. It's through the parent mentor program where parents become volunteers in their child's school and they're able to help support both students and parents. It looks like working towards the creation of a new public elementary school. It also looks like parents becoming leaders in their school through parent advisory councils, bilingual advisory councils, and through local school councils. This school year is obviously different than any other. Uh, what is Northwest Side Housing doing? Uh, Northwest Side Housing Center has been doing as much as it can. Um, this year alone, we've invested over $50,000 to purchase computers through a non-for-profit called CompuDot. Little did we realize how pervasive the digital divide has been. We've also been working with different institutions such as Chicago Connected. CPS describes Chicago Connected as one of the country's largest efforts to provide free high-speed internet access to students. A goal the program has set out to complete is providing 100,000 families with internet access. The four-year program partners with internet providers to provide 1.2 terabytes of internet to income-eligible families. But when the program launched, things did not go smoothly. The program has been especially challenging for students who live in attics and basements who have to go through an additional process. Early on, there were challenges and the process has not been the easiest given the program requires families to go back to their child's school and request a hotspot. 
Although Chicago Connected currently provides free internet service, there are families that opted to stay with their current service. Patricia, a parent at Mary Lyons, stated the following as to why she opted to keep her paid service. I received letters, but many parents told me that it is low speed. There are four girls in classes and our youngest girl who sometimes also uses the internet in the house. We have an internet contract of $70 a month. Families feel the need to spend money on internet or computers since the ones they are receiving from schools are not good enough. It's been a rocky transition. I have Xfinity Internet. I wasn't supposed to pay since I had the Chicago Connected code, but I have a bill for $27.99. I'm being billed for three months. That's my concern. I call to try and resolve the issue and I get an answering machine and I continue to be billed. The internet was lagging. The classes get cut. The first week, folks were forgetting since everyone had internet issues. And I think it's, it's a little different than, you know, actually saying, okay, they, they've been handed devices, but so many people I'm hearing will say that the device is not a good device or, you know, that it, it breaks a lot or the very programs the school district asks them to be on, the, the um, computer can't handle. So I think that's a different question, and I'm not really sure how to get, um, not really sure how to get a handle on that more globally, but I've certainly heard anecdotally that, that the quality of the computers is not very good. That's Sarah Karp again. Northwest Side Housing surveyed the Belmont Cragen area to establish how families are dealing with online learning. To Julio, the results are disheartening. We recently did a survey where 112 participants responded and over 50% responded that the way they connect online is through their cell phone. And so I don't know about you, but I only have one cell phone and I have moms who have four kids. And so God knows how their kids are connecting online. And you get one hotspot per family. You may have gotten Chicago connected, but your sp the speed isn't fast enough. No one knew they had to log into eight hours of remote learning. That's good for maybe one or two students. What about the rest? Why is it that we can't change the program to meet the needs of our students? We don't have time for us to let these students get further and further behind. So some major changes is giving a one-to-one -one hotspot to our students, increasing the speed dramatically. I'm no tech expert, but whatever is needed for four students to be on eight hours of remote learning five days a week is what's needed. Parents have done as much as they can. They have added more gigabytes to their cell phone, they have changed companies, and they have increased their data usage to pass Wi-Fi to their children's computers. Parents have gone to their neighbors to ask them to lend them their Wi-Fi, telling fellow parents they'll help pay a portion of their bill to allow them to use that internet. I don't think it's fair that CPS said they were going to facilitate internet through Chicago Connected so students wouldn't have a hard time connecting, and that hasn't been the case. Nothing about the program is working. Maria Carmen is a mother of two children in Chicago public schools. Maria feels school administrations have failed parents. Y para mí eso no, no es lógico. 
porque los afectados van a ser nuestros hijos. No voy a ser ni yo. For me, it's illogical because the ones affected are going to be our kids, not me, the teachers, or the principal. I think and I believe CPS, before starting school, should have held virtual training for parents so they could learn how to use Google Classroom and Google Meets so we could help our kids from home. Another thing, the principal where my son attends school had a sense my son didn't have internet at home and didn't help me. Those parents who cannot access Chicago Connected free Wi-Fi have been offered hotspots, but for many families, it's not a solution. We don't have them. Who said we have hotspots here? The teachers don't ask how their students are going to connect three times a week and tell her my son can't connect and they don't care. They mark him absent. To help provide some relief for families, CompuDont has partnered with Northwest Side Housing to provide 500 computers for the Belmont Cragen neighborhood. CompuDont is a national non-for-profit who attempted to provide technology access and education to underserved youth. CompuDont currently provides drive-through computer distribution programs in Chicago and its suburbs. According to CompuDont, a study conducted by United Way found that 46% of families in Brackenbrown communities do not have access to a computer. With Belmont Cragen specifically, man, that we have given out quite a few uh, computers with Belmont Cragen. I think we're right in about 500 com computers in the Belmont Cragen community. Um, and those have really been spearheaded with the help of the Northwest Side Housing Center and really going out into the community in partnership with foundations and funders to, to find, those, uh, the, find those dollars. Overall in um, the Chicago area since late April, we'll give out after today's distribution over 4,800 computers. Um, in Chicago and the Northern Illinois region. And by the end of the year, we're, uh, we, we're scheduled to give out about 6,600 computers overall. That's Kaya, the executive director from CompuDont Chicagoland region. While many parents and students gave the school a pass for not having the greatest online learning structure during the spring quarter, by the time fall rolled around, patience had worn thin. By that point, schools were six months into online learning. Even this far in, teacher Susan Benjamin feels as though she's not very connected to her students. We do not have any interaction with our students because they're not required to come in visually. I co-teach in a reg and three other in three regular education classes and um, what we call general ed. And those students do not come in at all. Um, with their faces. A couple of them have their pictures, I think, on their meme, but that's all I see. Mm. And there are a few of them that I've never heard their voice. There's also an extreme lack of communication between administration and individual teachers. We're basically left in the dark. We have no communication with other teachers, and of course, in the, in the building, as we would have during a regular school year. Mm-hmm. Lack of communication between teachers can cause issues. A lot of teachers are trying to stay to the grading system that they're supposed to be using and making the student, trying to make the students accountable for what they're handing in or not handing in. But um, there are some that are just passing people along. I'm looking at students that I have um, that are getting multiple Fs, and you maybe have one student, one teacher that's they've got 100%. 
and you can't tell me that those that that student in that particular class is doing that much better. Teachers have little to no options when students don't earn in homework or refuse to come to class. Besides calling home or speaking to the attendance office, there isn't much else that teachers can do. Students are not only contending with the challenges of online learning, but are also facing the real-world troubles brought on by the COVID-19 pandemic. Yes, I've lost, I think, three students at Kelly. Teachers are also physically suffering, and some are losing motivation to continue to be teachers. Um, I keep thinking every once in a while, I wonder if I'm not going blind because my eyes are bothering me tremendously. Mm -hmm. I have a doctor's appointment this week to check that out. But it's it's a tremendous amount of stress. And I know a lot of, there are some younger teachers that are saying they don't want to do it anymore. The pandemic has been really hard on everybody. Online learning has been difficult for parents and students and teachers alike, but it's been a particularly hard year on Chicago's black and brown communities. Julio, can you tell me a little bit more about like what your families are going through in Belmont Cragen? Yeah, thanks, Jonathan. Uh, they've been going through so much. I mean, one day they're worried about the internet not flowing to the next day, whether they're spouse being in the hospital. They're about to be intubated. They're worried about, you know, are, are they going to be called into work? Because a lot of folks work at restaurants, manufacturing companies, and folks are really worried overall with this level of stress and with the holidays and with the weather, for helping. Uh, what has your organization or the organization you work for, Northwest Side Housing, been doing to help these families? Like, what's something that you're doing now that you might not have been at the beginning of the year or when the pandemic first started? Yeah, you know, what I've told people is that we've all become subject matter experts on things we never thought we would have to. We have taken on administering rental programs for the city of Chicago, helping assist families with $1,000 to $3,000 to help them pay their rent so they don't get evicted. We're hosting almost weekly food events where we're collaborating with elected officials and other organizations where we've been going out over the summer more so, but giving out PPE at perspective, personal protection equipment. I think we've given out perhaps 30 or 40,000 face masks. And overall, it's working really hard and going to the front line, bringing as much mobile testing for COVID-19 as possible. This past weekend, we had the state of Illinois conducting test. Almost 500 families got tested. And for us, what the test looks like is having three to four options that families can choose from on a weekly basis. Okay, can you, can you go back to the money and tell me a little bit more about what families are doing with the money, why they need the money? Yeah, definitely. So to date, through funding that we've gotten through programs to assist undocumented families who are left out of the stimulus, to direct $500 cash assistance, the rental assistance, we've given out close to six to $700,000. And really, you know, it sounds like a lot, 
it's been really good to keep people afloat, to help them keep food on the table, buy food on daily back, and preventing them from homelessness. Before the pandemic, people already getting paycheck to paycheck. And for us, by not doing this or not deploying capital, this would lead to families going down the downward spiral. Okay, Julio, we've gone through and we've seen what Northwest Side Housing is doing. We've seen how families are affected by the pandemic. But I want to ask you, what's the last thing you want people to take away from this podcast? What is something you want to leave them with? Yeah, thanks, Jonathan. Thank you to all of those that are listening. For me, it's important that one of three or three things happen. The first is... For folks, it's impossible to make a donation to the Comptibot so that we can get computers into people's hands, those that really need it. Or donate a laptop, because those laptops and devices will be put to good use long term. Secondly, it's to ask questions. You know, where are your taxpayer dollars going? Why is public schools in the current state that it's in and if you went to CPS asking yourself what do you think could have been done differently if you were that student right now how would you like someone to advocate for you how would you advocate for yourself and last but not least is thinking through what role do you have can you pick up a phone can you call a friend can you send an email and begin to ask really good questions. Why is it that black and brown communities continue to be left behind? Why is it that these communities continue to be and suffer the most through COVID and seem to be asking as an afterthought? Where these communities should be leading the agenda for public schools. But more importantly, not forgetting about this podcast, but really having this conversation long-term with friends and families and self-reflecting on it. My name's Jonathan Aguilar, and this was Learning on the Line. Thank you for joining Change Agents. Produced by Juneteenth Productions, with funding support from the Chicago Community Trust and the Field Foundation. Please subscribe to our series on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you find podcasts. Do you have a story to share? Join us in the ongoing conversation on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our website, changeagentsthepodcast.com.